0: Hey guys, just a quick note on today's episode. I just want to say sorry for the shocking audio quality Uh, and it's actually on my side. So how much of a rubbish podcast host am I? Thankfully, Ross does most of the talking so you won't have to put up with it for too much and I'll make sure it's fixed in the next episode. But let's get on with it. Hello and welcome back to Agency Highway. This is episode 116 with Ross Kimbarovsky. Ross, thanks so much for joining me.
1: So oh, happy to be here talking to you and your listeners.
0: Guys, Ross is the founder slash CEO of Crowdspring, which is a graphic
1: design platform. Is that how you'd describe it? Platform, marketplace, yeah. I mean, think- I There's a lot of different uh, uh, names for the products, but ultimately we're a marketplace. We connect sellers and buyers of design and naming services.
0: I've seen Crowdspring around quite a lot. So it's really cool to have you on the podcast. And today we're gonna be talking about what happens. (laughs) This is a, a process that I'm sure many agencies are familiar with when you start working with a new client Uh, And you ask for their existing assets, whether that's like their brand identity, all this kind of stuff, the things you request in the beginning, and it just turns out that they're weak or they suck. uh, And you have to try and deal with that. And uh, it makes your job as an agency much harder. And Ross is here today to talk about, to help you out so that uh, you can have these tough conversations with clients (laughs) and convince them to get some some more work done, I guess. (laughs) Ross, what's been your experience here?
1: Well, look, it's an important trend. Um, I, part of the challenge and wh- whether you're an agency or an accountant or an attorney, if you're providing a service to clients, oftentimes you're stuck working with, with their assets, with whatever they've already created. and Particularly for agencies that at the end of the day are mostly running visual campaigns. I mean, they could be audio campaigns for sure, but, but the predominant amount of marketing is visual. When you run visual campaigns, you're often inheriting whatever the work other people created. And in many cases, it's whatever the client has. And so uh, when you start with a foundational premise, people judge branding within seconds. So our brains process images 60,000 times faster than words, which means that when people connect with your clients, they're looking at their logo, they're looking at their website, they're looking at their marketing materials, And they make very quick impressions. And because of very rigid psychological effects, I'll I'll give you one example, the anchoring effect, which is what we tend to believe our first impressions, really hard to get people to move from that first impression. So when you inherit somebody's designs, weak logo that doesn't showcase a modern brand, a completely disconnected website, or a social presence that has different colors, different images, a different approach to every social network, it creates a lot of friction. Doesn't matter what campaign you're trying to run. It could be an SEO campaign, it could be a PPC campaign, it could be a a straight up marketing campaign or a content campaign. All of these impressions are undermining the work that you're doing and so it makes your job as an agency so much harder and it's a real problem because the clients are going to ultimately point the finger at you and say well your campaigns aren't working your strategy isn't doing what it needs to so that's what i think is worth talking about how do you break away from that into a world where you can control the assets where you can help clients learn and understand better why this is a problem and how they can help themselves and help you
0: Hmm. Uh, it's even become a bit of a joke with, uh, like content snare marketing. We always talk about like trying to deal with, um, you know, a brochure from five years ago or even longer that they send you. You know, you you ask for their current marketing assets or whatever, and they, they send you this, this brochure and they say, build the website from that. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> That's not a thing. The, the language here isn't the same. It's got like old your old brand on it. Like it's, it's definitely a problem I've seen several times in our own agency and with um, all the agencies we have uh, using Content Snare. So I can relate a hundred percent.
1: It's a common problem, and and many business owners know it's a problem. So they know that their design isn't quite up to par. They know they haven't invested much time or effort to modernize it. And so you run into a few situations. Some business owners don't have a big budget to do that right now. Mm. But, But the bigger problem occurs when they need to move their business forward quickly. They need to see growth in the next three months, particularly in a bad economy as we're experiencing right now how do you move them quickly without huge capital expenses, particularly if you're a small agency and maybe you don't offer design services and maybe the freelancers you typically work with take quite a bit of time and can't get the client moving that quickly. And that's where you have a lot of friction. And then, of course, there are clients that don't necessarily know that. And as, as their agency, um, as the expert who is advising them on strategy, it's your job to tell yeah. them, uh, I can create strategy for you, we can build these campaigns, but but we need to talk about the foundation for everything. There's a problem that we're going to run into and we should deal with it now rather than wait until later. And that that has to do with, you know, your branding.
0: Yeah, and that that was actually going to be my next question. Like, when you've got a client that comes to you and just wants to get going, you know, they want to see results or whatever. How do you sell them on this? Because I can see myself being a terrible client in this regard. You know, if I if I go to someone to get a new web design or like a, a Facebook campaign launched, like I kind of know what I want and I've got my you know eyes set on that. That's where we're going. And then the agency comes back and and says you know, we, we're gonna to need to fix up these assets. I mean, I feel like I would understand because I'm in the industry, but how do you deal with, with clients that just wanna get cracking?
1: Well, I think there are two important things you need to deal with up front. First of all, are you looking for a quick sale to the client or are you looking for a long-term relationship? Because every agency is different. Some agencies are, are really about short-term gigs. I wanna help this client and move on to the next client. If you're looking for a long-term relationship, if if you think you can help this client over a series of months or years, and as they grow their business, continue to help them, then that's a conversation you should have up front. Fundamentally, because few other agencies, few other consultants are gonna be willing to have that conversation. And, And in that way, you will stand out from everybody else. You will tell them something that will be helpful to them, something they probably already know. And then the second question ultimately has to deal with, you know, what the client's ultimate goal is. If they're trying to hire to double the business in the next two months, you're probably not going to be able to do that. So effectively, if you're going to say, I can do it for you, you're like every SEO firm that promises to get every client to page one of search results. It just doesn't happen like that. Yeah. And so fundamentally... You know, and I used to be an attorney. I practiced law for 13 years before I started Crowdspring in 2007. And one of the things I did when we went to meet with prospective clients, rather than talk about what I do and what I've done and my success, I said, you know what, let me do this you've got my resume, you've got our brochure, I don't want to waste any time. Tell me what your problem is. Let's start solving your problem. So for the next hour, rather than telling you why you should hire me, I just want to work with you. And if you like working with me, if you think it's productive, then hire me. And so I think agencies that have an opportunity to do something similar, which is it's hard to build strategy when you first meet with a client and try to understand the problem, because strategy takes time. It takes time to understand the client, what assets you're working with, takes time to understand their goals, and then think about where they need to be. But it's not hard for most smart marketers to look at branding and point out deficiencies in that branding. So as you start working with a client, this is an opportunity to say, you know, let's look at what assets you have and the assets that we can work with. Let's look at your branding and, and tell me what, where this comes from. You know, who created it? Uh, do you believe it's effective? Is it creating friction with your potential clients or your customers? Um, are there things you wish you did differently? That's a good way to start that conversation because few business owners are going to say, I love it. I don't want to change a single thing. Most will say, I hate it. <laughs> it's creating problems people are complaining but i just don't know how to change it i don't have the budget to spend tens of thousands of dollars i don't know who to hire i don't know how to supervise them i don't know how to talk to them and this is your opportunity to say okay that's something we could probably solve together and that's a good way to talk and i could assure you that few agencies few consultants are actually going to have that conversation you're not talking about the client's problem as opposed to selling yourself and clients Pick this up. They see a very different approach. They're looking for a different approach because most likely they've worked with other consultants, other agencies that maybe they weren't happy with. And and this is refreshing. And it works because that's a good way for you to segue into a really candid conversation about why weak design is going to create friction with what you're going to propose to do. Because that's the reality. I mean, the best SEOs are going to say, I can't guarantee you're going to get to page one. I can't guarantee it's going to happen in one or two or three months or even six months. The best marketing agencies are going to say, I can't guarantee I'm going to triple your business in in three months. (laughs) But there are things they could say that are accurate and true and that can make the client feel comfortable that the investment is worth the money they're paying.
0: I, uh, I really like your approach there of asking questions about like, how do you like the brand? Is it causing friction with your clients? Because you're right. Pretty much every business owner has things they hate about <laughs> their brand. And that's a much better way to elicit those responses from them than just going in and saying, look, your brand's weak. Because <laughs> my next question was going to be, you know, like, how do you deal with... That's a really hard topic to to broach if you want to go in and say that, you know, your brand's kind of weak and it's going to make the marketing campaigns difficult. But if you reframe that completely and just go in with questions about their brands, even though you might have been engaged for, you know, let's say it's a website um, and you've been given some brand assets or a marketing campaign and you've been given brand assets, you know, it's... A much easier way to broach that topic to ask questions and actually get them to say <laughs> they think the brand's weak because I feel like everyone feels like that
1: most people do and it does one other thing so listen it's human nature to want to talk and so when people communicate it's it's typically to to talk uh, when people engage in a conversation it's its they're not listening to understand they're listening to respond and so if you take a different approach if you listen to understand what the client's pain points are, you solve two problems. Number one, you're educating the client about the weakness of their overall branding. And, and, and as you said, the client themselves recognizes this. You don't have to persuade them when they say, I know this branding is weak. We've had people complain about it and we know we need to change it. You've won half the battle. But the second thing that happens when you're listening to understand, as opposed to just respond, is now you're honing in on the real friction points in their business and how you can potentially help them solve it. And this gives you a depth of strategy that most consultants, most agencies are just not gonna hear because they won't have that conversation with their client. They may, by chance, a year from now, learn this information, but if they don't take the time upfront, they're not going to know about it. So it gives you a very unique perspective, which means that if you're coming back with a proposal, you're going to have a far deeper, more sophisticated and more client informed strategy, regardless of what you're doing, whether it's SEO or, or co- content marketing or, or visual design. It doesn't really matter. You will be more informed in how you talk with your client. and you will have done something that that helps you, which is the client understands there's a fundamental problem with the foundation of their branding that should be fixed. So now the question is, how do you quickly fix it? How do you help your client overcome that problem?
0: Yeah. And I guess there's a really big range of how big a problem this could be. You know, if you're going to overhaul someone's branding, it could be anything from just like a logo to, you know, you might have come in and say you have to redo the entire website, which is what I've definitely seen before. And the bigger projects are going to get probably more pushback if someone just wants to get going, right? Like, do you notice any low-hanging fruit? Is there a subset of what, you know, if you, if you're going in, you're going, I hate all of this, <laughs> but is there like a few things you recommend people start with? I mean, it's, of course it's going to vary client to client, but are, have, have you seen any low hanging fruit in this to, to really get something across the line faster?
1: Well, I think at the end of the day, it really depends on, on what's wrong with this foundation for the client. So if we look at, you know, brand identity is everything visual, about your brand, so it's mm. it's you know a, a, a logo designer does not design a, a brand, uh, they design a logo, and so so at the end of the day, everything stems from some common nexus. So if you're starting a new business, you're creating a logo you're establishing some brand colors and and an identity that will flow from there. Your website will be connected somehow to the logo, your marketing materials to both of those things. So I think it depends in many cases, and this is at least what we've seen. We've been in business for 12 years. We work with, with, with hundreds of agencies. It depends really on where the client is, the client's appetite for running campaigns that are gonna be using weak or stale assets and the client's budget ultimately. So if if this particular campaign has nothing to do with the client's website, then obviously it doesn't make sense to invest the time now to overhaul a website. But the reality of brand identity today is that everything is interconnected. You know, people hear a brand, they go online to find their website. They look at a business card. They may look at a social network. And so At the end of the day, this is part of the strategy. And that's what I meant earlier when I said it depends on you as an agency or as a consultant. Are you looking for a short-term gig relationship with your client or a long-term relationship? Because if it's the latter, if you're looking for a long-term relationship, as I think most smart agencies do, then you should have the conversation and, and talk to the client about a way to gradually rebuild their brand identity. Few companies have the budget to say, just do it all, and come back to me in three months with everything new. But this is where agencies bring expertise. Where do we start, and where do we go from there? In most cases, the law hanging fruit is going to start from a logo redesign, because if your brand identity is at all weak and and is haphazard all over the place, it's likely because um, either the logo wasn't wasn't created to to provide a nice flow to the rest of your business, or maybe it's just outdated. Maybe it worked for you before, and just the colors and the design itself is outdated. So that's going to be a a good place to start initially. Uh, And you can slowly, as you build campaigns, work in the other materials. So if you've established a visual style, you can convey that style. And as these campaigns permit, do it better. But at the end of the day, it's not perfect. It's not the same as rebuilding the entire brand identity as a big corporation might do. You know, when Uber rebranded, they one day launched everything and everything was rebranded, and that's how big corporations tend to rebrand. But you know, smaller companies, mid-sized companies don't have that luxury, but they still need to do it. And so it's an incremental way to do it. And if you have that conversation up front, if you explain the challenges and your approach it also helps the client see what happens at the end when the brand is is rebuilt and and really relaunched
0: yeah i think that's a much like it's a great way to attack it and a great way to sell it to clients saying it's a gradual process, you know, whether it's starting with a logo, you know, if you're doing a Facebook campaign, I guess you could do something like just a landing page uh, versus trying to tell them to redo the whole website. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be disconnects between if it, it's a very different visual style uh, between the landing page and the and the website, It's there's disconnects. But um, it could be a way to you know, at least get started and then those styles from that landing page could then get borrowed by the website. I'm just sort of thinking out loud here. But,
1: yeah. um, and it, and it's, a, it's a perfect conversation to have with the client. I mean, you could present a full-fledged rebranding for the client um, and explain that that will take some time and conversations and strategy. And most clients aren't ready to wait on that. They need to move forward. And so, so if you present an incremental plan and a way to tackle these things as you do campaigns, it's not perfect, but, but it does two things. First of all, it tells the client you actually have a vision for how to move them for where they are today, somewhere in the future. The second thing it does is it connects you to that client in a long-term relationship. You're now the keeper of their brand. You're helping them move forward. And in that way, the costs to switch to somebody else who doesn't understand their brand, who doesn't have this vision are so much higher. It's no longer about price. Now it's about here's the expert that gets my business that has helped me understand where I'm heading. And that is also helping me execute the strategy. That's how you build long-term relationships with clients.
0: That's awesome. And I think that's super underrated, you know, that switching costs for an agency It's it's the same in software, right? If you've got a product like a, if you run a CRM, you know, the switching costs for someone to change to another CRM are huge. Whereas if it's just like a one-off tool, it's, it's lower and it's exactly the same sort of thing with agencies where if you are just a churn and burn or you're doing small parts, it's very easy for them to go somewhere else. Whereas if they've invested all this time in, in you as an agency working with you for their brands, the switching costs are massive.
1: They are, and, and this is it's one of the interesting things. When we launched CrowdSpring ten years ago, and you know, twelve years ago rather, agencies felt a little threatened. We were offering custom design services and, and our response, and the reason we ended up working with hundreds of agencies, most of the world's top agency, is is what you are selling is strategy. You know, you're selling something we don't sell and can't sell. At the end of the day, assets are commodities for the most part, and, and at the end of the day, your clients are hiring you not to design a logo, but to build a strategy for what to do with it, to create the brand identity. This is true of most agencies, unless you're a small design agency and that's all you do, you design logos. Uh, but, but this is where clients find to value the work that you do, and, and that work becomes much more valuable in many ways. Number one, it helps the client more, but you can charge more for it. Strategy is much more valuable, much more expensive, and more differentiated. Uh, than than a simple design because it's not tangible. It's something that you can do over time as you earn your client's trust. So laying out a vision for where you're going to take their brand is part of that trust earning process.
0: And like that is becoming a pretty big theme in you know various podcast interviews. Uh, you know everything I watch in the agency space. Like this is the theme now where you have to be in that strategy space. Like that's differentiation. If you want to be charging, you know, real amounts of money, if you just want to churn and burn logos, like you said, you know, that can be a good thing. It's a productized service. You can scale churn and burn. Uh, it doesn't have to be burn. You know, I probably shouldn't say it like that. But if you just want to smash out logos, have a, a process for doing that, um, you know, it's it's a more of a productized service at that point. That's a valid thing. But the agency space is definitely like heading in the direction of you know strategy and becoming that consultant rather than just cranking out design assets
1: and i think there's a there's a good reason for that there there are a series of micro trends of the, the uh, macro trends rather that have been impacting agencies for a number of years, and, and I've talked about this for, for the last decade. You know, one big one is the pressure in agencies because of decreasing client budgets, whether it's you know Fortune 500 or, or smaller companies. But but there is a trend that's interesting. If you look at midsize to large agencies, most of them are very young. And there's you know, some controversy about this in the news, too, because the average age for some of them is, is you know, phenomenally young, and, and it's normally not talked about, but, but sometimes you learn about it. Whereas smaller agencies tend to sort of be across the board. You may have some older uh, uh, people from the agency that are starting their own solo shops or small agencies. Part of what clients don't want to do is pay less money for less experience and less strategy. Clients want to pay less money, but they still want a high degree of experience and they still want a great strategy. And so they're not interested to hire an agency simply because the agency is younger and can use Twitter better. They need <laughs> to have a much better defined welcome post strategy that will equal the strategy they would have otherwise gotten from a midsize to a large agency. And this is where there's an opportunity for, for smart agencies that may not be full-service agencies that, that could find innovative ways to offer full services, including design, for example, to focus on their bread and butter, strategy is always going to be far more useful than selling commodities. and This is one reason why you know, certain lawyers are hired more than other lawyers, certain accountants are ha- hired more than other accountants, and agencies do better than other agencies because they're not selling you just another logo design, they're selling you a unique strategy. and. And as I said earlier, the conversation you start having with your client when when they're making their first impression sets the tone for this relationship. And so if you start that conversation by demonstrating that you may be smaller, you may be younger, but you're not sacrificing strategy, you're not selling them something off the shelf, you've got the experience, you've done these things, you're going to invest the time to think about their business, if they're comfortable about that, they're happy because at the end of the day, they know they need to spend money to grow their business. The question is, are they just wasting their money on, on a smaller agency or a mid-sized agency simply because that agency has lower fees and maybe presumptively less experience? But that doesn't have to be true. Mm. You just have to show that it's not true.
0: Yeah. You mentioned there too that um, like there are smart ways for an agency to become full service, you know, like becoming... If you are an early agency, you've only got a couple of staff, like becoming full service at one point in time was a bad idea, right? Because there's too many things you've got to do. But now there are smart ways for agencies to do that, like white label services, you know, for, uh, for example, uh, GoWP, great service for WordPress maintenance. Like as a WordPress uh, mate, or just as a WordPress web design company, you don't need to do that anymore. You don't need to maintain your client's websites. You don't need to do backup security all that sort of stuff. You just give it to someone like GoWP, Um, you know, and there's services for white labeled SEO. Um, So these are all services that can help people become full service, uh, provide that full strategy and all the uh, services under that without having to do all the work and having to hire people. So it's, it's great. And obviously Crowdspring is one of these kind of services that agencies use. So let's talk a little bit about that, uh, Crowdspring and what kind of services and assets that you can help agencies with.
1: Sure, so, so I started Crowdspring 12 years ago because I ran into a typical problem with an agency. Um, I was an attorney, we were redesigning our website, and we hired an agency to do the work after an RFP process, which is common, how businesses end up working with agencies. Um, And I hated their work, and I was very frustrated. We were paying a lot of money. It was in the six figures. uh, And and their work just wasn't good. Visually, it was fine. It just looked like everything else, and we really wanted to differentiate. Uh, Part of the problem was us We had a tough time explaining what we wanted, but part of the problem was them. They were creating cookie cutter websites for law firms at the time that that were praised but looked like everything else. And so I went back frustrated and said, there's got to be a better way for people to buy design services. You know, it's hard to sell strategy in a crowdsourced way, but why couldn't we sell design in a crowdsourced way? Um, and so so that research led me to start Crowdspring so today Crowdspring has a community of over two hundred twenty thousand freelancers uh, graphic designers, web designers, product designers um, and namers, business namers from every country in the world, helping agencies, small businesses entrepreneurs, and nonprofits with everything from logo design to web design, industrial design, marketing material, um, and naming businesses and products and and the reason so it was it was Funny how we started working with agencies because we originally launched in 2008 and um, didn't really think about agencies because we were building a product for small companies, you know, those from one to ten employees. And very quickly we started getting calls from CMOs of Fortune 500 companies who were looking to find a way to cut their budgets, and so they wanted to experiment with Crowdspring. And that was fine. We, we didn't build the business for them. And we actually never pivoted to serve the enterprise world, although we've worked with tons and tons of big companies. But the agencies who service those clients back in 2008 started panicking because, you know, they were worried the clients were going to squeeze them out of this process. So we started doing some experiments and working with them. And we actually built a suite of tools and products for agencies, you know, Crowdspring Pro, which gives them collaboration, unlimited collaborators, white label presentations, so that they can use this resource for clients. And, and as we have that engaging conversation, you know, hopefully we've persuaded many of them that you know, we're not a threat to them, we're not, we're not involved in strategy, that's, that's their forte. And we refer business to a lot of different agencies because we don't do that kind of work. But agencies especially that don't work in design, or that have some designers on staff but but they're limited and at capacity for design are able to use crowdspring for quick turnaround projects you know if you need a logo you need marketing materials a website design UI design for a mobile app name a new business or a product uh, it's a very inexpensive way to do it, because one of the things we did was we changed pricing. Because our product works differently, you're not picking from bids and proposals. You set your own price, and people do the actual work. Um, so you're picking a best logo design from among you know, dozens of different logo designs. And Marketplace is highly qualified. In the beginning, we let anybody in. And so the quality was, was you know, hit or miss. But for the last five years, we, we've overhauled all of that. We, we highly qualify every single designer in every single category. And we actually, every year, review their qualifications, again, in every single design category to make sure that the quality is, is, is top-notch, largely because we work with so many agencies and bigger clients who are expecting high-quality work, but also because we want to provide a great service to smaller companies.
0: It's, uh, yeah, I've definitely used this kind of service before and I, I like, love the fact that you get multiple different logos because that's always, or well, multiple assets doesn't have to be a logo, right? Um, to me, it's always been a worry of engaging a designer and getting that one logo, whatever it is, even just a couple from the same person. Because I feel like that's one of the biggest, I don't know, barriers is the relationship that you have with that designer. Do they get your brands? Do they... You know, are they the right fit? So, having one person to me is like a big problem, you know? So, to be able to have multiple people design the same thing it gives you that broad, different experiences and different opinions that you can pick from. Now, I'm going to get into a hard question here, Ross. <laughs> I know that, you know, this crowdsource kind of design is generally going to result in some people creating designs that don't get paid for it. But I believe you guys, you know, like a lot of designers really against that and understandably so. Um, But I know you guys have ways around that. Yeah. You have facilities in place so that people can get paid.
1: So this is a fair topic. I mean, ultimately, we, we thought about it before we launched the company. We spent a lot of time talking to designers and clients. We didn't ignore this concept because it's, you know, spec work is spec work, and, and, and it does have some challenges across many businesses. But, but he, the reality is that 12 years ago today, most agencies do some work on spec, whether you're a marketing agency or SEO agency, an architect, it's just integral to the idea of trying to find business and persuading clients so so we did two things first of all our platform is open to everybody and if you're a designer who has a great book of business and doesn't need any help finding clients more power to you you'll continue to work and grow your practice if you're a designer that needs help and you're not a good marketer you're you're in North Dakota where you don't have a lot of big businesses, then Crowdspring is a good way for you to jumpstart your design business, find some clients. And we've had lots of people come in, build a book of 25, 30 clients, and graduate to to just start their own small design firms. But aside from that, because we thought of this from the very beginning, we really have worked hard to try to enable as many people as we can to earn money. So, for example, the day we launched, we had both our crowdsourcing projects and one-to-one private projects, letting any client hire a single designer to work together. In um, 20, um, something around 2014, we offered a different kind of project where you can, you can do a faster project but there were three designers and a few of them got paid. In the last five years, last five years, we've offered something we call um, elite projects, and these were built specifically for agencies. Elite projects let you work with five of our best designers on a design project. Each one gets paid, so you get a, a fixed budget. So as an example, logo design is $899. That's what it costs you to launch an elite project. You work with five. They are required to submit at least five designs each. One of them wins the award, but everybody's gets guaranteed tips. So each one gets a varying level of pay. So if it's a product design project where they're doing the industrial design of a of a product, those tips are much higher. That's a way for us to spread the 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 love and, and the money among more people. We've done other things. We have always enabled clients to tip designers and projects. We're actually one of the few marketplaces that does this. So if and this is very common clients will work with one designer and pick them but They'll love the work from two or three other other designers and they're not willing to buy the work, but they want to thank them for their effort. They'll give them a $100 or $200 tip. That's not uncommon, by the way. We're not talking about a $5 tip. They could also make offers on other designs. So if they see a design they like in a project, they could offer to buy it. And we've had projects with 40 to 50 designers getting offers um, because a client, let's say, wants to do a T-shirt and they find so many interesting designs. Uh, they will buy all of the designs to have variety. We've also had projects where clients have set up multiple awards. So we've done industrial design projects with LG, for example, for a mobile phone where they had 50 awards uh, of different price points. You know, the, the lowest one would have been, you know, $1,000. And so at the end of the day, clients have a lot of variety. And, and we're aware that, that our goal as a marketplace is to find opportunities for more designers to get paid. But but the last thing I'll say is, is fundamentally, when we talk to the designers who participate and ask them, you know, what's the biggest motivation? Earning money is not always the first motivation for every designer. A lot of them are interested in building a portfolio. And that's a great way for them to do it, because they're working with real clients. Some of them are interested in networking opportunities to meet clients. So the LG project I talked about, the winning designer got a six-figure job offer to do product design for LG. And so there are real opportunities there. Some of them love the competition. It's like the Olympics for them. This is where they compete. You know, some years back when when occasionally I'd see a creative director from a major agency participating as a designer, I'd I'd reach out and say, hey, I don't get it. You know, (laughs) you you make a lot of money. You make these decisions for, for the world's best brands. Why are you designing logos on Crowdspring? And the answer is, you know, I love design. I don't get to do it at my job. I want to see if I'm still good at it, and I love the fact that I get to compete against somebody else. And the client doesn't know I'm a creative director at this agency. <laughs> it picks the best design, and, and and that's a great answer. I mean, I love that answer. And some people are just competitive.
0: I love all of that. You know, the how much opportunity there is for people to get paid in different ways and the different benefits. Like, I I never even considered that. To some people, competition is just the benefit by itself yeah. you know and I totally get that and the whole staying sharp thing like the creative director you know wants to make sure he can still design I totally get that because I feel like with automation stuff I'm not doing a whole lot of automation work for clients anymore so I just take on occasional clients to stay sharp so I totally understand that and you know it's a, it's very easy you know like for me to stay sharp with automation I have to like send a proposal and you know get them to sign it and get them to pay me money but with Crowdspring they can just jump in there and design. So I actually really like that and the fact that you have elite projects and tipping there are so many different ways for people to get paid and like to get jobs out of it I imagine there is a lot of undiscovered talent in a platform like crowdspring
1: there's a ton so, so in addition to elite we have platinum projects which are crowdsource projects so elite are five designers platinum are unlimited but both of those have a reputation so we have a very sophisticated reputation algorithm. We've had this since we launched that's built on 100 different factors, mathematical algorithm that focuses on the quality of the work. So elite projects, 90% or above. Those are the best, highest reputation uh, designers. Platinum projects are 80 or above, which means you control the quality yourself. And and designers know this. This is something that's, you know, obviously they want to have opportunities where they'll make money in every project. So elite projects have been immensely popular. When we launched them initially, we didn't have a reservation system. We actually let whoever first applied to participate apply. They would fill up in under 10 seconds. Wow. And we had, we had to build a reservation system that was democratic, that that took into account a bunch of factors and left slops open for people that didn't participate because it was crazy. I mean, people would literally hang online to see when a project launched and just apply to participate in it and part of it is you know our long-term thinking about improving the community overall and and making things better for them part of it is connecting you know lots of good designers to clients and this is what i talked about earlier you know we have a long-term vision of this relationship which is why we started thinking about the problem before we launched we have not solved it it's it's definitely still a point of friction for some but this is why we build products like this you know for agencies There's a price point that's affordable that lets them work with designers in which situation every single designer gets paid, which is, you know, really a great way to do it. In fact, one of our biggest constraints working with agencies, and this is a bit ironic, I remember having a conversation with the chief, you know, somebody running digital for a major global agency who asked me what our projects, you know, cost. And I talked about the price points, and then he asked, well, what's your fee? And I said, well, our fee is the same fee we charge, you know, one-person business, and, and he paused and said, "No, really. I mean, what do you charge agencies for this work?" And I said, "Really? That's that's it. That's our fee. We built the business for small businesses. We were fortunate that it also solved the problem for agencies and big companies. But we never wanted to compromise." Our focus, and so we chose to offer this service at the same cost. I guess it's the same principle Basecamp has. It's ninety nine dollars a month, whether you're uh, a company like Apple or or you're a small company uh, like CrowdSpring. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting pricing model. Basecamp uh, often paraded around as like a poster boy for SaaS companies. It's uh yeah, it's obviously working out for them. Ross. This has been a really in-depth chat. And I think uh, uh, there's been a lot here for agencies to unpack. No, I just want to say thank you so much for uh, sharing this with our audience.
1: Yeah, my pleasure. I mean, I think this is a, an important topic. And, and listen, we're, we're big fans of agencies and, and the way they grow their businesses. And we think we can help them. and you know, We benefit from that because their clients uh, need more and more design services. So, so I think it's a, ultimately a win-win.
0: Yeah, I agree. And like I was saying before, it's so awesome now that you can play that. Or agencies can play that strategy role and pick different white label services from all different. You know, whether it's design, maintenance, SEO, all that kind of stuff, and and still be that trusted advisor and get all those services done. And I think Crowdspring is a great option for agencies who want to either offer design services, you know, into the marketing campaigns like we spoke about before, or just have like an overflow service where, you know, when their internal designers are too uh, jam-packed and they can head over to Crowdspring. Absolutely. All right, Ross. um, Obviously people can go to crowdspring.com to check it out. Is there anywhere else you would like to send people?
1: So people could find me on Twitter, Ross Kimborowski um, is my my Twitter username. It's common spelling. Uh, (laughs) Crowdspring has a Twitter account as well. Uh, but you'll have it in the show notes. so Of course,
0: yeah. So so yeah. if you don't know how to spell Kim Barofsky, <laughs> it's uh, at agencyhighway.com slash 116, episode 116. Uh, and that will all be in the show notes. You'll be able to find uh, Ross's social profiles, yeah. links to Crowdspring and everything.
1: Yeah. The, the other thing I'll mention is is we have you know a couple of pages for agencies. One is crowdspring.com slash agencies, which talks about some of the tools we've built. But there's another one that might be helpful for agencies, it's crowdspring.com slash agency resources and and there we offer a free guide uh, the guide is focused on how agencies can become full service to offer design services but there's a lot of really good content in that guide that you can use to offer other kinds of products because we've included Pitches to clients, the typical objections, ways to overcome them, how to how to portray full services and why strategically they help. So you can actually use and feel free to do that. If you want to offer nine design services, there's a lot of good content in there to help agencies broad, because I honestly believe that the best way to grow an agency is to think laterally. Uh, you cannot build any kind of professional services firm by working more hours. Um, you know, I was an attorney, law firms, you know, capitalize and young associates charge more agencies historically did the same thing. More young associates work them hard, you know, 3000 hours a year and charge clients. But if you have a small agency, if you have a mid say agency, you can't do that. And clients today don't want you to do that anyway. So you have to think smart. You can become full service, but not in the way that you used to have to do it by hiring account managers mm-hmm. and lots of uh, lots of young people to do it. You have to <laughs> do it strategically.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm just looking at your crowds, uh, your agency resources page here, and I see there's a an infographic of how to tell their clients how to tell clients their logo sucks politely, which yeah. is essentially the uh, first topic we covered <laughs> in yeah, and, and, this, this interview.
1: And that, by the way, is white label. So we created it so you can download and slap your own branding on it and share it with your client. Because our goal, I mean, aside from helping agencies, our goal is to help agencies educate their clients. Because at the end of the day, you know, marketplaces like Crowdspring, designers benefit from clients becoming more aware about the importance of good design and agencies become better and more successful if the assets they're working with are stronger. If they're working with good design and their strategy is sound, they're going to win more campaigns than they're going to lose.
0: Boom. That's a great note to end this. And I'm I'm actually starting to think maybe we should make that the title of the episode, How to Tell Clients Their Logo Sucks Politely. But uh, yeah, Ross, again, thank you for sharing all of this. Uh, It's been great to have you.
1: My pleasure. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks guys for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or wherever you listen to this and leave us a review. Don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you in the next episode. Discover how to grow your agency, earn more and work less at agencyhighway.com. Head over there to get resources from this episode and full transcripts. See you next time. This episode was brought to you by Content Snare. If you're a digital agency or just need to get content or info from your clients, ContentSnare can help you collect it on time and without enormous
1: email trails. Give it a try at ContentsNare.com.